Uh, this is the third night uh, of three, funnily enough, and um, it doesn't matter, it'll work by itself, but who here has never heard me before? Okay, all right, all right, great, no worries. <laughs> Quiz turned down to a little bit more, just a little bit boomy, yep, great. Well, I know who I'm preaching to, fantastic. <laughs> it's going to be really good. What we want to talk about tonight is what Jesus has done, is the most amazing thing, it's the only thing, uh, it is a, phew, it's going to blow your socks. If you've been a Christian your whole life, you may have never heard what Jesus has done for you before. This is a bit crazy, but it's true. And you may not believe me yet, but by the end you probably will believe me. It's all in the Bible, it's all in Scripture, and it's better than you ever imagined. It's more exciting, more liberating. I couldn't build it up too much. Like, it's going to be better than what I'm even trying to get you ready for, okay? What I want you to hear is of God's kindness, His great plan. He wanted a family for Himself, the Father, and the Son wants a bride. And everything is about that. The cross, the gospel of the cross, the power of our salvation is about getting a family back for Dad, and a bride for the son. You're the bride. And God has chosen you for his son. Jesus has chosen you. And Jesus will not be unevenly yoked. So how righteous, how impressive, how holy is Jesus? That's how impressive, how righteous, how glorious how holy you are. Because Jesus will not be unevenly yoked. He's coming back for a perfect and spotless bride. Not a cowering bride hiding while the earth gets darker. A bride like him, an overcomer, a conqueror, a ruler. Pure, spotless, full of joy, love, righteousness and peace. That's what he's coming back for. And we're going to see what's how that's to be. Because maybe you look at the church, look at, at our own lives today and think, yeah, there's a bit of a gap between my reality, what's going on in church, and that. Don't worry. God's got a plan. It's called the gospel. It's under control. This was his idea, not your idea. This is his idea. He worked it out. He's guaranteed it. No one comes to the Son unless the Father draws him. So he drew you. He causes you to will and act according to his good purpose. He makes you want to be a Christian. While you started, he's faithful to the finish. He completes you. He did the whole thing. You've got the whole thing. He's underwritten it. He's paid for it. He's prepared it. You are at rest. He wants to do it through you. In fact, here's the amazing thing. God does not want to make you a better person. He doesn't. He doesn't want to make you better. He wants to replace you. He's not trying to improve you. He wants to replace you with himself. Which is why Paul says, it's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live, I live by the faith of God. Not even your own faith. His faith. 
Everything's a gift so no one can boast. So let's look at this. It's a little bit exciting. The gospel you may have heard is that Jesus died on the cross. You hear about Jesus, you go to Jesus, you believe in Jesus, you love Jesus, you die for Jesus. That is not the gospel. It's not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus knew you, Jesus came to you, Jesus died for you, Jesus loved you, Jesus served you. That's the gospel. Everything else is a response to the gospel, but the gospel isn't good instruction. It's good news of the finished work of the cross. It is finished. It's finished. He did it all for you. And now, something spectacular has happened. 1 John 4 says, makes, 1 John makes some crazy statements. Here's one of them. As he is, so are you right now in this earth. And this is John who wrote Revelations. So he's seen Jesus as he is. And he's making a statement. As he is now, that Jesus you hear about in Revelations, powerful, glorious, holy, at rest, raised and seated in heavenly places, he's saying, so are you right now in this earth. You're the same. There's a gap between my experience <laughs> and what Scripture is clearly telling me. 1 John 5 says, If anyone is born of God, they don't continue to sin, but Jesus Christ himself will keep him, and the devil touches him not. We don't get Christianity from our experience, we don't get Christianity from history, we get Christianity from the Bible, and the Bible says if you're born again, you don't sin, and the devil touches you not. Ever. The devil doesn't touch you. Irrelevant. Gone. Destroyed. God's enemy. Not yours. Done. This is good news. The Bible says that when you accept a Christ, the mystery is that you died with him, which means you've already died. It says it over and over again. When I accept Christ, Right now, in 2012, the mystery is, on the cross, 2012 years ago, <laughs> thereabouts, I was with him, I was crucified with him, and I died with him. And by the same power that rose him up, I too was risen from the dead, and I rose as him. You died with him. You rose as him. Co-crucified with Christ and risen as Christ. Because as he is, so are you in this earth. How can that possibly be? Because in the same way Jesus was born, you were born again. In the exact same way. 
because Jesus was the Word and Mary is there and God sends his Word through the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit hovers over Mary. God sends his Word it impregnates into Mary and heaven and earth have come together inside Mary. The Word, fully God, forms Christ, fully human, Jesus, fully human, and fully God, fully human, is now inside Mary. From a spirit, from above, into a human. And he is the firstborn of a new race, the firstborn of a new brethren. Because when you received Christ, his spirit came from above, inside you, and formed one with you. And you are born again from above. And you are now a new creation. Because anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. What he is never existed before. He's entered a whole new world. You are a brand new being. You are not first Adam, under Adam. That's a human line, born of flesh. That died when you accepted Christ. You were born again under a new spiritual line, a spiritual being, born from above, from heaven. You have come from heaven. You are born from heaven, the same way Christ is born from heaven. Could any man be in Christ, he is one spirit with the Lord. So you have a spirit, and it's Christ's spirit. That's your spirit. Your spirit is Christ's spirit, and Christ's spirit is your spirit, and you are a spirit. You're a spirit being, you have a soul, you live in the body, but you are a spirit being. And this spirit is born from heaven. Then when was Jesus slain? Before the foundation of the earth? Before you were even created? All providence was there. All paid for. When you accept Christ, you accept that whole providence and forgiveness that was there before you were created. Which means you were found in Christ before you were even lost in Adam. And you've returned to that state. And you have Christ's spirit. I don't have Christ's spirit and Jesus' spirit. They talk to each other. I have one spirit. I have become one. It's a marriage. I have become one spirit with the creator, the word of God. My creator. Now has that spirit, Jesus, ever sinned? No. Your spirit, you are that spirit. Have you ever sinned? You're from eternity. Into eternity you return. You're born from eternity. You can return to eternity. This time has been dealt with. Every sin forgiven, removed from the start to the end. Here's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The whole sins of the world have been taken away. They're gone. You live in eternity. How do I know that? Because it says you are raised and seated in heavenly places with Christ. That's where you are. Right now, 
You were raised and seated in heavenly places with Christ, far above every principality and power. You are in heaven. You have literally died and gone to heaven. You're not going to die. You're not going to die. This earth suit may or may not stop working. But if it stops working, you don't die. You're a spirit. You have a soul, you live in the body. Your car might conk out. It's not you. Your body and your soul is not you. You are a spirit and you have a soul. It's very precious. Love your soul. And you have a body. Inner body. But you are a spirit. You are a spirit being. What type of spirit being? The same as Christ. Because by the same seed that formed him is the same incorruptible seed that formed you. And if two children are formed by the same seed, they are identical twins. There is no difference between you and Jesus. You are identical twins. The same. That's why Paul says, I want you to build you to the fullness of the stature of Christ. How can you become exactly like Christ if you don't have the same material to work with? I want you to do these works and greater. How can you do greater works if you're not the same thing? As he is, so are you right now in this earth. Romans 6, 1 to 11. What shall we say to all this? Are we to remain in sin in order that God's grace, favour and mercy may multiply and overflow? Certainly not. How can we who died... How can we who died to sin live in it any longer? Are you ignorant of the fact that all of us who have been baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? You have already died. You died with Christ. We were buried, were buried, therefore with him by the baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, so we too might habitually live and behave in newness of life. You've died, you have the new life, the same life as Christ. For if we have become one with him, we're one, and being Christ, is one spirit with the Lord. If we become one with him by sharing a death like his, we shall also be one with him in sharing his resurrection. You share the same death, you have the same resurrection. By a new life, live for God. We know that our old, our old, unrenewed self was nailed to the cross with him in order that our body, which is the instrument of sin, might be made ineffective and inactive for evil, that we might no longer be slaves to sin. For when a man dies, he is freed. Have you died? Yes, we're talking about you and me, us. For when a man dies, he is freed, loosed, delivered from the power of sin. What is sin? Doing naughty stuff? No, sin is all lack, poverty, sickness and death. Discord, upset, miscommunication, everything that's not the Garden of Eden is sin. Everything that's not the Garden of Eden is sin. For when a man dies, he is freed from the power of sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, which we have, we believe that we shall also live with him because we know that Christ, the anointed one, has the power over him. 
For by death he died. He died to sin, ending his relation to it once for all. Your relationship to sin has died. It's over. Sin is no longer the issue. It's all forgiven, has no power over you whatsoever. And the life that he lives, he lives to God in unbroken fellowship with him. Even so, consider yourself also dead to sin and in your relationship to it broken, but alive to God, living in unbroken fellowship with him in Christ Jesus. Because you died as a separate being, you rose as one being. You have unbroken fellowship with Christ. Unbroken. The same way that the Father and Son have unbroken fellowship, you have unbroken fellowship. Your behaviour did not get this. Your behaviour cannot take this away. Your attitudes or understandings or lifestyle did not qualify you. Your attitudes, understanding or attitudes, lifestyle cannot disqualify you. It can't. Nothing you do disqualifies you. You are a new creature. It cannot uncreate you. You are everything that he is. You are nothing that he is not. Consider yourself like Christ. What God has put together that no man separate in attitude, understanding, word, language, self-punishment, anything. You are one spirit with Christ. One spirit. And treat yourself that way. Is Jesus condemning himself for yesterday's behavior? No, then neither are you. You're a spirit in heaven, before the throne, sees the lake of glass, the throne room, the angels, the Father, sees everything. This is who you are. Raised and seated in heavenly places. As the Knox version says, has put us in heaven. That's where we are right now. Are you uh, bad parents that your children have gone astray because of what you did in the, in the formative years? Is Christ a bad parent that the children have gone astray because of what he did in formative years? No. Then neither are you. And you can never consider yourself that way. Have you had too many sexual partners to have a good marriage? Has Jesus had too many sexual partners to have a good marriage? No. Then neither of you. You cannot treat yourself anywhere different than Jesus. Has Jesus made really bad financial decisions and put his family in debt and is not a good provider? No, then neither are you, because Jesus didn't do that, neither of you. You're everything that he is, you're nothing that he's not. When God looks at you, he doesn't look at you through Jesus' goggles. He looks at you because you're Jesus. You and him are one. There's no difference between you. You and Christ are one. Disciples asked Jesus in John 6, what do we have to do to do the work that God requires? That's a great question. What do we have to do to do what God requires of us? Every Christian asks that of their pastor every week and the pastor will tell them, this is what God requires, subtly or actively. But Jesus answered a different, different way. He answered them directly. Sometimes Jesus gives a different answer, sometimes he gives a question, sometimes he's a little bit blunt. This time he answered their question directly. Disciples asked Jesus in John 6, what do we have to do to do the work that God requires? Jesus said, this is the work that God requires, to believe in the one whom he sent. Do you believe in the one whom he sent? All your work is done. 
He who has entered Christ's rest has ceased from his striving. If you've entered Christ's rest, you've ceased from your striving. You believe on whom he sent, bang, down you went with Christ 2,000 years ago, raised up as him. Raised here in the heavenly places, a new creation, a new being, a new spirit being. Not human anymore. You're not human anymore. You are whatever Christ is, whatever class of being you are called that, that's you. It's a son of God. He is the son of God. We're becoming sons of God. We are sons of God. We want to manifest that, become fully manifested sons of God, manifest what we are. Sons of God, not humans made in God's image, the very image of God. Adam was made in the image of God. God breathed life into him. Adam opened his eyes. They saw an image of each other. It's an amazing thing. And Adam had a capacity, this thing that is human, had a capacity to contain the image of God. Very important. <laughs> to contain spirit. Adam had his own righteousness, because God had his own righteousness. So Adam had his own righteousness, and he gave it away. God had a plan. He didn't give you righteousness back. He didn't make you righteous again. Because you could give it away again. The devil does not care about the forgiveness of sins. He's seen sinless people before. It didn't take very long. The mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What happened when you became a Christian, Jesus, the person, came and lived inside of you. You don't become a Christian, you actually receive Christ. And Christ comes and lives inside of you. And Christ is your righteousness. You don't have righteousness of your own, like Adam. You have Christ, and he is your righteousness. And you can't change what he did. It's finished. He lived his life 2,000 years ago. Your goodness, badness, naughtiness, laziness, whatever, doesn't change that. You receive Christ. He is your sanctification. It's not a process. You received him. You are sanctified. You're just living it out. You're being renewed by the transforming of your mind. That find out what you already are. You died and rose with him, a new being. Colossians 2, 9-14 says the same thing. For in him the whole fullness of the deity, the Godhead, continues to dwell in bodily form, giving complete expression to the divine nature. And you are in him. Christ has the whole of God in him, and you're in there too. Made full, and having come to the fullness of life in Christ, you too are filled with the Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and reach the full spiritual stature. You too have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in you. You receive the Holy Spirit, and the Father and the Son, according to John 14, 15, come and make their home with you. You've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the full spiritual stature. As Ephesians 4 says, we want to reach the fullness of the stature of Christ, meaning exactly as He is. John 4, anyone knows Christ must walk as He did. This is what God has given you, the complete power to do this. You don't build yourself up to it, you surrender and you accept it, and you let Him live His life through the faith of God. No longer you live, but Christ who lives through you. And He is the head and rule over all authority, every angelic principality and power. In Him also you were circumcised with a circumcision not made by hands, being a spiritual circumcision performed by Christ by stripping off the body of the flesh. The whole corrupt, carnal nature with its passions and lusts has been stripped and removed from you. It's not you anymore. You are a slave to righteousness. You want to do what Christ wants to do. That is who you truly are. 
You're a spirit in heaven. You want to do whatever a spirit in heaven wants to do. It wants to bring heaven to earth. That's what you want to do. This is who you are. God brought life together with Christ, having freely forgiven us all our transgressions. Let's settle it. All your transgressions, even tomorrow's, are forgiven. They will never, ever count against you again. Make a plan for your life that is sin-free, guilt-free, shame-free, separation-free. Anything between you and what you desire to do, remove all guilt, shame and separation and lack. Remove it out of the equation and then make plans for your life because that is reality. (laughs) Come on. Amen. having freely forgiven us all our transgressions, having cancelled and blotted out and wiped away the handwriting of the note which was legal decrees and demands which was enforced and stood against us. The note, the law, he set aside and clearly, completely moved it out of our way by nailing it to the cross. God disarmed the principalities and powers that were ranged against us and made, us, made a bold display and public example of them in triumphing over them in him and in the cross. The only thing that separates you from Jesus is a vain imagination. We imagine that somehow the law still applies to us. A standard. The standard that every church has different standards. We fail that standard and now there's a shame, a separation. Every standard that was put up for us to make us righteous has been dealt with and lived by Christ. He completed it, then nailed it against the cross. And now you never, ever, 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 ever fail or disappoint God. And so the devil cannot touch you or talk to you or mention your name because you've done nothing wrong. You live in the full acceptance of God. He's not counting men's sins against them. He didn't come to condemn the world. Neither do we. Make a decision. I will never punish myself again. I won't withhold any expectation of favour. I won't withhold walking boldly into the throne room of grace in my time of need. Not your time of being awesome, your time of need. Boldly you walk in because your conscience is clean. You don't have any sin on your record. It's a surrender to that fact. No human record works against you. God said to Abraham, take your son, your only son, the son you love, and take him to Mount Moriah and sacrifice him. There's lots of stuff in that, but this is take this point. He says, take your only son. Here's another son, Ishmael. God knows about it. They've talked about it. God was there. He saw it. Ishmael's probably 30 now, living his life, doing stuff. Ishmael is Abraham's son. Yet God says, take Isaac, your only son. Why? Because God does not see anything of the flesh. Doesn't see it. Doesn't exist. Every single thing you've done in the flesh doesn't exist. 
It doesn't. If you think you're going to get to heaven and say, God, I'm sorry about this, it doesn't even exist. The blood has destroyed, expunged, washed it all clean. Come, let us reason together. There's only one time in Scripture that says to reason. That is reason, although your sins be as scarlet, I've made you white as snow. You are white as snow. You can boldly go into the throne room in your time of need, any time, throne room of grace, because your conscience is clean. You're not sin conscious at all. You're only Christ conscious. You're everything that He is. Today, before your feet hit the floor, you have raised the dead, you have healed the sick, you looked after children, you defended women's rights, you've forgiven those who persecute you, you've forgiven all your friends, and then when you raised from the dead, you cooked them breakfast on the beach. You have done everything. He is completely pleased with you. As happy as to see Jesus, he's that happy to see you because you are the one being, you're one spirit with him. If any man be in Christ, he is one spirit. You have a divine, mystical unity with God. This is the mystery. This is the hope hidden before the ages, time the angels wanted to know. And the devil knew this. He would never have crucified Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. As I said, the devil wasn't worried about your sins being forgiven. He's seen sinless people before. He did not know that you become one with Christ. He did not know that you'd be died and raised again, a new being, the same being that crushed him, you are. If he did that, he would never have crucified Jesus. But he did. And now he can't touch you because he can't touch Jesus. And you and Jesus are the same and regard yourself as such. Because you're supposed to do his works and more. So you've got to be at least doing his doing. Now Jesus had an enemy, the devil. We don't have that anymore. He's been defeated. He wasn't defeated. And he was under the law. We're under the law. So we're going to do much more than he did. <laughs> so when you read the Gospels and you get told, okay, let's do a sermon from the Gospels, here's Downing Thomas. Are you ever like doubting Thomas? Are you doubting Thomas? Here's Peter. Are you Peter? Here's the woman that pushed the crowd. Who's been told to be the woman that pushed the crowd to get to the hem so many times? We've had many times. Have you heard that sermon? Are you a Pharisee? Are you the, um, the Roman centurion? Are you Mary? Are you Martha? Who are you? The only person you can relate to in the Gospels is Jesus. Because he's the only new creation born from above. He's the only one. Every other person is unregenerate, first Adam, unsaved people. Under law, under a curse. You can't be those people. They're unsaved people. You're Christ. So when you see Jesus going around forgiving everyone, that's what you do. When you see Jesus casting out demons with a word and healing all who comes to him, that's who you are. Faith comes by hearing. Ten years ago, twenty years ago, if you said God was going to heal you no matter what you've done, people wouldn't believe it. And people had to go through all their forgive this and forgive that and repent of this. Now God just heals you. Why? Because people have been preaching it, preaching it, preaching it, preaching it. And now people just expect to get healed. In the old days, you had to beg God to become a Christian. Kneel in the front, I want to become a Christian, please let me become a Christian. You had to stay there for days and days and days to the unction that you were saved. And to people started preaching that as soon as you believe, you've received. 
And now people, because that's what's preached by the hearing of it, that's to have faith for it, and it happens. We're preaching the gospel now. Don't look at the gap. Just know in hearing it, it will happen. Because you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you will be sozoed, saved, healed, delivered. Saved spirit, delivered soul, healed body. Everything that Eden took away is returned to you. How? By believing your heart, confessing your mouth. Not by works, not by will, by desire. Ask what you desire and you shall have it. Ask, seek not, put your desire there. I want to walk in the finished work of Christ. I want the fivefold ministry to build me up to the fullness of the stature of Christ. The new covenant, as it says in Jeremiah 31 and Hebrews 8, maybe 10, <coughs> probably 8, it says, this is the new covenant that I will remember your sins no more. That's what it is. Jeremiah announced it. I'm going to make a new covenant. This is where it all comes from. This is how we get the term new covenant from Jeremiah 31. He's explaining, he's defining what it is. We can't define anything else. I will remember your sins no more. And every man will know God for himself and no one would need to teach him. John says, the anointed within you continues to teach you. The only job of the fivefold ministry is to get you to that place, to be a full, mature son. From a technon to a huyos. A technon's a young kid, and um, the Bible says that you can be, if you're under law and under these things, even though you're a son, even though you own the whole estate, you might as well be a slave. If there's any performance on you, if there's any law, if there's anything you need to do to you think to achieve uh, God's happiness with you, even though you own the whole kingdom, do everything Christ says, even though you own the whole estate, you might as well be a slave. But maturity is knowing there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Romans 8. Who is he? that will lay claim and charge against God's elect. It is God who is justified. If God said it, that settled it, you are righteous forever, from before the foundation of the earth to after the white throne judgment. With the Bible, before the first cover and after the last cover, you are righteous forever. Now. And God desires that you walk in the fullness of the stature of Christ by believing in your heart, and confess from your mouth. And we know out of the heart, the mouth speaks. You only got one job is to believe. <laughs> believe on whom he sent. What's the work? To believe on whom he sent. It is that easy and that offensive because every person of every culture, any age, must be able to walk in powerful Christianity. So you believe like a child. And that's it. And that's why it's so offensive. That's why Greeks and Jews found it hard. We're Greeks, we want to understand. Understanding is not believing. Believing brings instant action. If you believe that this house is on fire, you'd be out. We give mental ascension. Oh, I understand that how healing works. Yeah, the word becomes flesh. And that. Yeah, I understand that. Tick. Next thing to understand, next program, next seminar, next manuals. Oh, I understand that. Believing is being, knowing, intimately equated. You are instantly equated with Christ who created all things and everything was made through him and in him. He understands everything and that is you are one. You have the mind of Christ. You have the joy of the Lord. You have the faith of God. You have the love of God should have brought in your heart. None of it's yours. It's all given to you. It's a complete rescue package. 
and you just receive it. It's not about I, but it's Christ lives in me. These are the members of Christ. Christ has and continually has come in the flesh because I'm here, Christ is here in the flesh. Anything else is of the Antichrist. I'm here. I'm raised to see it in heavenly places. So nothing of this earth, don't worry little children, I have overcome the world. Everything of the world, everything that's created, seen and unseen, Jesus is way above them. High and seated, above every power, principality, everything seen and unseen, he's above them, and you're in Christ. So you're up there looking down on earth in an authority measure, think of authority. So you don't pray up to heaven, you're in heaven. You pray down on everything. You decree, you're a king. You're everything that he is, you're nothing that he's not. He's the king of kings, and you're the king he's the king of. You are a king, and he's the king of kings. You're everything that he is. He was just first, so he's better. But he's made you exactly the same. You can't be better than your teacher. It's enough that you become like him. Be conformed to the very image of Christ. That's his desire. The very image of Christ. You're a priest. God's made you kings and priests. He's the high priest. You're a priest. He's a king. He's the king of kings. He's a, you're a son. He's the firstborn son. He's the firstborn of many brethren, so you always have the preeminence. And that's the only distinguishment God makes. That he was born before you. He was created before you. He became this new being before you did, so he's beaten you. <laughs> so he's number one, and he can never be number one. That's taken. Outside that, you are the same thing. Because God wants to create for himself a family, and Jesus wants to be evenly yoked to a wife that's the same creature as he is. And so he's done it. It is finished. The provision for all has been done and he's given it to you. It's all inside you. So you can now partake in the divine nature and escape the corruption of this world. The only problem you ever have in life at any situation is you don't surrender to the fact that we in Christ are one. <laughs> is your boss not promoting you? If Jesus had your job, would that worry him? The only difference is we have a vain imagination. Somehow we've separated ourselves from Christ. But what God's put together, no man separate. In any way, word, deed, thought, intention or action. Have you been wronged? If Jesus was there and suffered the same wrong you suffered, what, how would he deal with it? And that's how you deal with it. You do what he does. You live as he lives. Raised and seated. Not even Jesus of the Gospels. Jesus in heaven. It's an amazing thing. How? By believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth. So all you have to do is believe. And believing comes by hearing. So you're hearing now. And belief is stirring in your heart. Because your spirit already knows, and your soul's lining up. The spirit's got it all here, and your soul's lining up, and down it comes, like tumblers in the lock. And we're making a transition from where we are now to here. You see in church history... God kept bringing in new revelation, revelation, revelation. So we had the Catholic Church that always believed that Jesus died on the cross, virgin birth. Luther brings in, saved by faith. They resist it, people move on. It's a hard move to make. You get beaten up, tortured, all these things like that. But if you're saved by faith, that instantly assumes the cross and the virgin birth. Yeah? And then, let's... Uh, Let's go right up to priests of all believers with the Wesleys and you can go and you can preach anywhere and anyone can preach at any time. Then if you can preach anywhere at any time, 
That means you have to earn it. That means it's all by faith. So it instantly assumes faith, instantly assumes the cross, instantly assumes virgin birth. And the few people move on. And then let's go to Azusa Street. The Holy Spirit comes down and everyone gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. Good people, bad people, bad people get healed. Naughty people, drunk people get healed. Drunk people can speak in tongues. They probably sound like it beforehand anyway. But everyone just gets touched with the Holy Spirit. If everyone gets touched by the Holy Spirit and everyone can prophesy, that assumes the priests of all believers that everyone can preach. Which assumes it must be by faith. Virgin birth, cross. It instantly assumes the rest. God in 2000 started restoring the grace gospel. If it's by grace, that means everything God has is yours right now. Because he decided it to be so. That instantly assumes you can have the Holy Spirit. That there's a priest of all believers. That you're saved by faith. That there's a virgin birth and a cross. It takes everything in. Everything God's restoring. Not truths. He's preparing a bride for his son. Now God's bringing in new creation. The of God's. That you and God are the same thing in that you have received Christ, become one with Christ, and you and Christ are the same thing. I'm not saying that you are the eternal God that created the earth and you are there creating yourself. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that dude has accepted you into him and made you exactly like he has shared everything he has with you. And you have everything that he is. That instantly assumes grace. Because the big argument about grace is, is it we under law or are we not under law? Do we have to do the Ten Commandments? Do we have to do the Ten Commandments? Okay? We move one step on, you're Christ, raised and seated. Now does Christ have to obey the Ten Commandments to, obey, to please God? No, argument over. The argument the last ten years, bang, solved in one revelation. In the same way, Receiving the Holy Spirit, the Pentecost, uh, Azusa Street, that Pentecostal baptism of the Holy Spirit, instantly answered every other question. No more arguments. It's by faith, because no one was good. And everyone can preach, because everyone's got the Holy Spirit. Every new revelation instantly solves the argument the one before. So now we're a new creation. That's what we're talking about right now. New creation. Or the the... Uh, faith of God. When God said, let there be light, he was going, oh, I hope this works. <laughs> when you realize you're the same thing, you work by the same faith. His faith. His words through you. Not I live, but Christ who lives in me is doing this thing. And life I live, I live by the faith of God. It's His faith. Doing the work. You are a spirit being. Knowing that you are Christ answers all the grace questions. All the arguments. Is the sermon, are the Ten Commandments, uh, we are still on the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not steal. If you are Christ, Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. You're Christ. You won't commit adultery. Thou shalt. You won't. 
Thou shalt not have any gods but me. If you're Christ, you won't have any gods but me. It's answered all the questions. Even the ones they try to argue about, and they say, the Sermon on the Mount. Are we still under the Sermon on the Mount? Was that Old Testament? Is that New Testament? It doesn't matter because you are everything it is. Blessed are those who thirst for righteousness, they'll be filled. You're Christ. You're filled. It doesn't matter if it's the law or not. You've got it. It's in you. It's written in your heart. You receive the fullness of it. Christ holds no grudges, holds no unforgiveness. Neither do you. Be what you are. Be what you is, because you ain't who you is, you is who you ain't. Come on. You're either a saint, <laughs> you're either a saint or you ain't. You're either perfect or you're wretched. There's no other choice. Make a choice today. Either I'm perfectly acceptable in God's sight and he celebrates me and puts me on his shoulders and dances around saying, this is the son whom I'm well pleased, or I'm going to hell and to be punished forever. And there you two choices. Make your choice. You're this or you're that. There's no bridging. There's no reading the Bible, doing good, not doing bad to get there. That's saying, Jesus, loved your cross, it got me halfway, and now my, my, my behavior is going to get me the rest. You're saying, Jesus, that suffering, having your body ripped open, the blood come out and the thorns in your head, didn't quite do it for me. I'm going to do the rest myself. Either he stooped down and made you great, Either he came down, put you in his heart, and raised and seated you in heavenly places. Raised and seated at rest, nothing more to do. Or he didn't. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Why did God first perform miracles amongst you? Because you behaved? Or because you believed? Because you believed. Now, why are you going back to behaviour to attain to that? All these miracles, wonders and signs to read about in Acts were from rest of believing, no behaviour. The Corinthians were naughty dudes, naughty, doing naughty stuff. And Paul says, I have no permission to tear you down. And he tells about gifts and love and all this stuff like that. The Galatians were very well behaved. And he said, why are you following Satan? He said, whoever is teaching this in your church, may he go to hell forever. I say again, may he be doubly accursed. Because being naughty is not the issue. Sin has been dealt with. Not believing the cross has done it all is the only issue. When the cross has done it all, there is no gap between you and him. You can just walk into him for your acceptance, your love, your life, everything you need for life and godliness to partake in the divine nature. What's partaking in the divine nature? Being like God. Godliness. He wants you to have it. My children, do not worry. I delight to give you the kingdom. He wants you to have it. He died for this. You don't have to earn it. You just say thank you. He wants you to have it. Good news, not good instruction. In the books like Ephesians and Colossians, where it says we're raised here in heavenly places, we've died and risen again. The, the amazing power of God works through us, works through us. All these amazing things. It says that first, and then it says. 
seeing that you're this most amazing thing, this is how you be a husband and a wife. Seeing you're this most amazing thing, this is how you be a son and a father. We say, if you're a good son and a father, a good person, a good Christian, then you can be this amazing thing. wrong, offensive. Paul says, if anyone preaches this, may they be doubly accursed. Even an angel from heaven. He's pretty strong. The Bible says this. Paul. You are an amazing thing. Raised and seated in heavenly places. A spirit born from above. Cut from the cloth of God. With plans made before the foundation of the earth for you to fulfill in this time with all the resources there. What are they? They're the desires of your heart. God is so amazing. Biblically, everything starts where it finishes. The word never returns void. And it starts better than it finished. We start in the Garden of Eden, perfect communion with God, in a family. We lost it, and around we go, and we're coming back for that very thing. Commune with God, unbroken, as it said, unbroken fellowship with God in a family. All these things we're learning about and changing and changing and changing and changing and changing so God can have a family. That we'll be one as He is one. That Christ have a bride, a beautiful bride. And He's laid it all out for you. If you want it, it's already inside you. The kingdom is inside you. Everything is there. The mind of Christ, He's given it to you. I'm not teaching you anything new. You're remembering. Because God knew you before you were formed in the womb. Knew you. You had intimate relationship with God. And you're remembering the first state from which you came. It's an amazing thing. And God wants this Christ in you to express and what you have decided to do. And those desires, those things that God decided to do are the very desires of your heart. So remove the devil, because the devil touches you not. Remove all shame, fear, lack and separation because you have no conscience of these things because you are united with Christ forever. One spirit, unbroken fellowship. You can do all these things. Surrender to the goodness. Let the kindness of God lead you to repentance. Change your heart. Change everything by the kindness of God. He's holding nothing against you. Everything, sin and shame and lack and fear, everything that came after the fall has been picked up and thrown away. It doesn't apply to you anymore if you believe. You are born again from God. So you are God's Son, in some way, Jesus is God's son, he was first, but you are God's son. So you're one, one generation from God. So do you have generational curses? If you believe. Now, everything in my family, I seem to have got. And it still affects me. But I know it's my body and my soul. I'm not my body or a soul, I'm a spirit. Because I'm taught to believe that, to come to agreement, when you come to agreement, you know, there's power. I'm getting rid of that agreement. 
By believing. By believing in the cross. Because the gospel is a power to salvation. If Jesus' death on the cross doesn't solve the issue, then your understanding of the cross is not right. It's the power of salvation, the take away the power of sin. Everything that sin is, everything that sin has done, the cross removes it in your life. And you're a king and you're a priest and you rule over your life and you can bring that down. Jesus, not thinking equality with God, something to be grasped, made himself unto a servant, had the same mind. Jesus, raised and seed you with him, giving you him very self, becoming one, having the divine nature. Now make yourself unto a servant. You are this amazing thing that can rule and reign over every circumstance. Christians control the weather, Christians control the finance, Christians control everything. The Democrats, Republicans do not run this country. Unless you believe they do. You come into agreement with the political system, which is man's system. Democracy is a Greek system made by fallen people so orphans can get together and work out who's the king. Democracy is not the answer to the world. A kingdom is the answer to the world. With a benevolent king. He has all the resources. The father saves up for his children, says Paul. God has saved up for his children. He's taken away the sins of the world. Every person, if Jesus is taking away the sins of the world, who has sins left, left against them? Nobody. Our job is to tell them. Because only by mixing, mixing it with faith, only by believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth can you be saved. Jesus says, whoever you condemn is condemned, whoever you forgive is forgiven. And the church has this job of condemning people by the law which is being discarded. You are having an abortion. You are gay. You are doing this. Your whole placard, G-A-Y. God abhors you. Jesus, not holding men's sins against them, did not come to condemn the world. We're not those dudes, we're Christ. Who didn't ask any questions he just forgave, he just healed. Demoniac child, why is your child a demoniac? Did you watch Glee and then the vampire films? <laughs> were you were into Freemasonry? Demoniac child was what, where the, where the pigs were and stuff like that? Well, that was Legion, where the pigs were? So the pigs, they're not following Jewish law. He didn't say, hey, you're not following Jewish law, you got pork. He just sorted it out. There's no condemnation. The lady in adultery doesn't go, where were you? What were you dressed? Where were you going? What were you... He didn't. He just sorted it out. Why is this guy blind? Because of his sin or his parents' sin? I don't know how he could be blind by his own sin. He was blind from birth. That's a little bit crazy. But Jesus said, it doesn't matter. It's here so I can fix it up. The kingdom comes as the answer for every single situation. He delights to give you the kingdom. How? By the cross. The gospel is the power of salvation. You have died, you're no longer human, and you've risen again. Paul says, am I insane? Are you speaking like this? If I'm insane for God, if I'm saying it's for you, we no longer regard any person as human. Speaking to the church in the Christian context. No Christian do we regard as human anymore. We regard everyone after the flesh. 
They are a new creation. The old is completely gone, removed, and they are born again. A new creation. What is here has never existed before. One spirit with Christ. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth. The juncture the church is at right now is going from Egypt into Canaan. And it works like this. The Jews, Israelites, very, uh, they were slaves, and um, Moses comes along and says, I'm gonna rest, God's got a rescue plan. They all go out to the, the sea. This is a very quick version. They all go out to the Red Sea, and they say, well, you brought us here to die. You and God are not trustworthy, and God rescues them. So through they go. And then the Red Sea closes and kills every single enemy from their past life. The enemy you see today, you will never see again. That's what salvation is. Completely safe from sin, all its effects, and all the enemy that tried to use it against you. And then they go into the desert, and they say, this sucks, the waters taste terrible. Can I say sucks? Is that right? Yeah. Okay, the water tastes terrible. And does God go, you ungrateful things? No, he just gives them good water. He goes, we're starving. He gives them manna. He goes, we hate bread. So he gives them meat. And they get no water again. They go, God, you've abandoned us. You brought us out here to die. I think they do it like 16 times or something crazy. And they, and they, it was eight times. They do it eight times. And God just blesses them. Because I'm the blessing of Abraham. Abraham would go out lie about his wife, wife gets taken away, God will bless him, he gets more, more stuff. Goes to another place, lies again, gives his wife away, God bless him, he gets more stuff. God's just said, I'm going to bless you. They're under this blessing, 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 blessing. And then they come to Mount Zion and Sinai, they come to Mount Sinai and they get the law, the knowledge of good and evil. Now they know that God should curse them. There's a separation of them and God. 3,000 dead. They get to the Jordan, the next river, and they say the facts. The people over there are bigger and stronger and more warriors, even though it's great land, and they will kill us. The grace gospel has got us, we understand salvation, we've gone through the actual salvation process, all their enemies being destroyed. All of them, all enemies, everything has been destroyed. And they're on the desert with no enemies, because they've been destroyed. No enemies. And whatever we do wrong, God keeps blessing us. And that's the grace. You will never ever lose this fact. Because when, when they came to Mount Sinai, we came to Mount Zion. Let's read about Mount Zion. But rather, you have come to Mount Zion, even the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and countless multitudes of angels in feastful gathering, and to the church, the assembly of the firstborn, who are registered as citizens in heaven, and to God, who is judge of all, and the spirits of the righteous, the redeemed in heaven, who have been made perfect. You have been made perfect. And to Jesus, the mediator, the go-between, a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks of mercy, a better and nobler and more gracious measure than the blood of Abel. We have come to heaven, which is full of grace and mercy, sprinkled blood of forgiveness, and the spirits of righteous men, made perfect. That's who we are. 
So when the Jews came to, oh, we're not going to make the standard, we come, we've already made the standard, we're forgiven, we're in heaven. And from there, we go to Canaan, the river Jordan. Now the river Jordan means death. Jordan means death. That's what it means, descender or death. We've already died and now we are reckoning ourselves dead, making a decision. We are dead. We are born again. We're going from technon, immature kids who own the whole estate. We own all of Canaan, but we can't benefit from it. And we are becoming those who can benefit from it. And we go to the River Jordan and we step in with the Ark of the Covenant. We stepped in first, the river at full flood. They step in the Ark of the Covenant. We are the Ark of the Covenant on earth. God's in here. We're it. We're the temple. We're the Ark. We're Eden. We are heaven on earth. And we step into that. The river stops all the way back to a town called Adam. Everything human about you is removed right back to Adam. You step in and you take the lamb, not by sacrifice, but by listening to the voice of God. Praise those go down. The whole story is in taking it. In scripture, in Hebrew, the name for giant is Raphaim. The word for healing, God our healer, is Jehovah Rapha. The New Testament says, healing is the children's bread. Leviticus 14. Hmm. Leviticus 14, check that, says, Joshua says, these people, the giants, are our bread. Healing is the children's bread. These giants are our bread. If you take these giants... That is your healing. That is the removing of the effect of sin from your life. Because the Raphaim are where you get your Rapha from being healed. God has given you everything you need to destroy these things. What are your giants? Wrong pictures of yourself. Because a man perceives himself in his heart, thus is he. When you change how you think, what you believe, everything changes around that. Because you believe in your heart and speak with your mouth. And we are a speaking spirit made in the image of God. And we know by faith that God created the world by his words, Hebrews 11 says. So the seen is made up of the unseen. We do the same thing. Believe in our heart, speak with our mouth. From all the resources of heaven. Job 24, 28, I believe, says, Speak a thing that will be established and a light will shine upon it. Decree and speak a thing and it will be done. You are like Christ. How else can we do the very things that God does? His things and greater. And the freedom and the rest that Christ is. Enter his rest. He has entered Christ's rest has ceased from his stripes. You are a new creation, partaking divine nature. If anyone knows Christ, he must walk as he did. You've died, you've become that thing. And you believe it in believing it. In reckoning yourself dead. You've already had the salvation experience. We've got grace. We're all in the desert. Doesn't matter what happens, God's going to be good to us. But you're in the desert. And you're still immature if you stay in the desert. So the new creation takes us into Canaan. Mature sons. And as we know, lots of Israelites stayed in the desert. We, we like this land. Good on you. You're going to be blessed. You're still Israelites. All awesome. We're going on and we're taking the land promised to us. Already given to us. 
those strongholds, those thoughts, those things, they know any demonic force that's holding on to a wrong thinking and agreement in your life is shaking in its boots because it knows its protection has gone and the God has delivered it to you. It knows. You're walking by believing, believe in your heart, confess your mouth, and those things will change. Everything changes because Paul said that the fivefold giftings are there in Ephesians 4 to build you the fullness of stature of Christ, and he thought Christ was coming back in his lifetime. So he fully expected this Ephesian church to reach the fullness of stature of Christ in their lifetime. <laughs> Forget this. Believe in your heart. I will reach the fullness of the stature of Christ in my lifetime. This is the prophecy given by Bob Jones. We looked at it a lot last night. Okay, he gave a 100-year prophecy of the church. 60% through, he's right. 60%, 100% correction. 6% of the time works every time. He is right. 60% so far. Power of God in the 1950s. Oral Roberts, Jack, Cole, William Brannan. Spirit of God in the, in the 60s came through. Charismatic Newell. 70s, whether God or the, or the preachers came through. Whether faith movement, the Bible is true. Um, and uh, uh, Billy Graham went to Europe and all the people got the 150 um, nations got together and said the Bible is true. Let's put it in. It's the word of God. They established that for us. 80s prophets of God all came through. Every prophet you know, James Gold, Rick Joyner, all the Kansas City prophets all came through that. 90s government of God. God brought in apostles all around the world. 2000 glory of God and we get all the gold dust, oil, uh, miracles, angels, diamonds falling from the roof, people getting gold fillings in their teeth, all came to the glory of God. There's the grace movement, because glory and grace go together, and we're moved into the faith of God movement, that we, have every, we are Him, and so we have His faith, okay? And then we move into the rest of God, and that's Hebrews 4, moving to Canaan, the rest. There's another rest that waits for them, so that we can become the family, one, that's what God wants, family. All this! Luther, people were getting drowned for having water baptism. People were getting burnt at the stakes to read the Bible. Everything is for us, this generation, that we become the family of God, walking the kingdom of God as sons of God. What would the earth be? What would, what would Birmingham be like if Christ was here now? What if there's two of them? What if there was 40 of them? The world will wrap up like that. We step into this revelation. This is the last generation, a pure and spotless bride. The earth is not going to get darker and darker and darker and the church hides and hides and hides and hopes the rapture bus to come. <laughs> He's waiting for a pure and spotless bride to come and take, be more than conquerors. Praise be to God who always leads us in triumphant victory in Christ Jesus. Politics doesn't run America. Um, Freemasons don't run America. FEMA doesn't run America. The European bankers don't run America. The Rothschilds don't run America. The left wing doesn't run America. The devil doesn't run America. There's only one controlling spirit over America that controls the politics, that controls the finance, that controls the education, that controls the arts, controls the police. It's Jesus Christ. He is king of the world. Everything belongs to him. We are raised to the bubble of these things. If there's um, Freemasonry, we step on its head. If there's the devil, we step on his head. We crush his head. The church runs everything. Christ 
on earth. Christ in you, the hope of glory. No, you live, but Christ in you. You and Christ are one spirit. The church is Christ. We're his body. We can do anything he did. In fact, he promised it. Is he a liar? He says, better that I go. Why is it better that go? So there's thousands of him. And everything is there for us. 50s, we got evangelists back. 70s, we got teachers. Boys had pastors. Okay, 50s, we got, um, 50s, we got teachers back. 70s, we got teachers, evangelists, teachers back. 80s, we got prophets back. 90s, we got apostles back. The fivefold ministry is there again now to build us to the fullness of the stature of Christ. And we got grace back, so we know we've got it for free. And we know that we are as he is in this earth. He's going to give us 10 years of resting and then we're going to smash it. Bring on the 20s. Have a nap. It's the rest of God. It's God has found a home in you. And all the secrets to that in the Hebrews 4, you can go home and study it. Separating soul and spirit. But he is at rest in you. He's found a home in you. Where is the place I'll lay my head? I have no, the Son of God has no place to lay his head. That word, that phrase, lay his head, when Jesus died, it said he laid his head. It's the exact same phrase. He has found a place to live. It's you. You are his home, not his house, not his holiday house, not a place he visits. His home, his abode is where he wants to be. He lives in you. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit live in you. He lives in heaven. He lives in you, which means you are heaven. You are heaven on earth. You are the Ark of the Covenant. You are Eden. You are the breakthrough. You are the open heaven. You are the open heaven. You are it. You don't have to pray for it. You don't do the spiritual mapping and try and pray up through these things. You're on top of them. You pray down. Paul went to Ephesus. He didn't go, oh, there's, there's lots of blood and lots of sacrifices and Diana. And all that. He went in there, ripped it up because he is coming from top down. He was the controlling spirit over the area because he and Christ are one. You are the controlling spirit of this era because you and Christ are one if you just believe. Because if you believe, nothing is impossible. So ask what you desire and you shall have it. If your consciences don't condemn you, you can approach God, ask what you desire and he will give it to you. If your consciences don't condemn you. Your conscience don't condemn you against what? There's no standard. It's gone. Believe. Condemnation can only come by a standard. The standard has gone. Christ is not under the standard anymore. It's been answered. This is the most exciting time. This generation will wrap up the earth. This generation won't see death. I really believe that. This generation. And God said, you're chosen to live, and the access says, for every time and place that has been appointed for a man to live. You've been chosen for this time, before the foundation of the earth. He goes, I'm putting these spirits in this earth right now. That's you. How do you live in it? You say, it's true. Thank you. I surrender. That's it. And when you believe it, your actions will come. If you believe the house is on fire, you'll run out. It's that simple. Because every person at every level, at any education level, at any time in history, at any wealth, must be able to do it. And everyone can believe. And everyone can have desire. Look some belief and desire. If you do not doubt, I believe, ask what you desire and you shall have it. Was Jesus a liar? No. That's true. He set it up. This was his idea, not ours. 
It's the foolishness of the cross because the gospel is a path to salvation. You have died with him. You have risen as him. You lack no good thing. As many promises have been made, they are already yes and amen in Christ. Every promise. How we partake in the divine nature? By these good and great promises. He's already said yes. He's already said yes. He's already said yes. His death on the cross, not withholding back his son, how much will we freely give us? All things. All things. This is good news. Not one bit of good instruction. Good news. Be who you are. Make a decision. Do not self-atone for sin. Do not withhold any favour from yourself from God. Do not expect him withholding. Go to him, let him as a father, give from here to there. He may discipline you, he may help you, he may change you, but he's getting you ready to give you the precious gift he wants to give you. And he's this excited. Like you have kids who have Christmas coming up and you've got them the very thing that they want. You know they want it, you've got it, you've wrapped it up. You're more excited about seeing them open it up and finding out that that's it than they are. They're excited when they get it, but you're excited that they're going to get it because you know you've got the exact thing they've asked for. That's what God's done. He's got the exact thing you asked for and he's waiting for you to unwrap it. At rest, at peace. Can you do it at rest? At works, your hands are full. At peace, it's yours. At works, it's a wage. But at peace, it's an inheritance for sons. Do you earn your inheritance? It's just given to you. Bad person, good person, whatever. It's what your dad did. Bad person, good person, whatever. It's what your dad did. He's given it to you. Co-heirs, joint heirs. You own everything with God. Not joint heirs, co-heirs. You own everything. The whole lot. Whatever Jesus owns, you own. And he'd like to give you the kingdom. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That you are one with Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Father, your spirit does a work in everything. You say your word goes forth and won't return void. You say the signs of others following your word. I speak that out now. I'm fully expected to manifest in our lives. Every agreement with lack, with poverty, with separation, with shame is broken now in Jesus' name. Because none of those things apply to Jesus. None of these apply to you, our older brother, our king, our lord, our saviour, our strong tower, our redeemer. None of these things apply to you. They don't apply to us. Because we and you are one. We step into you. We put on the new man that's created to be like God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this marvelous thing you've done. Accept us into your family, into your God. One with love, one with light, one with spirit. Because God is all those things. We are one. We accept that oneness now. We are transforming the ring of our mind. We cast in every vain imagination that says that we are not the exact same thing as Christ. Vain imagination. Every argument, every stronghold is cast down. And we receive the finished work of the cross. And I declare, I speak a thing that will be established. This word will not return void. This sea will find good soil and produce a crop a hundredfold. And every person in this room 
will walk in the fullness of the stature of Christ as a son of God. By the desire of God, by his kindness, by his will, by his manifest, multifaceted wisdom. All honor and praise to Jesus. We glorify you, Lord. We say thank you and yes. Amen. Amen. Amen.